everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Robert Parson. Robert, or Bob, is a... Wait, we figured this out. He is a first act actor, then he took a 20-year intermission to do instructional and educational design, and now he's back in his second act, acting again. His story is fantastic. He goes into detail about you know, his first act, being acting and falling out of love with it, but then coming right back into it 20 years later, back in love with the craft. I'm so excited for you to hear his story. There is some lag with this issue, especially the video version of the issue. I could fix it, obviously, in post in um, the podcast version, but the video has a lag. He lives out in the wilderness. He doesn't. He lives in like the Ottawa region, but there was a weird lag for some reason, so apologies. But again, Again, the story is still there, and his story oh, is so good. Please enjoy the lovely Robert Parson. acting story what brought you into this crazy industry (laughs) i'm a bit different in terms of first act second act because really what i did is first act intermission and second act so like i worked as an actor for about 20 years from the time i was 20 or something like that onwards I, i i studied at york i moved to montreal and did um a lot of theater there, mostly theater, but also some film, some television, some radio. Uh, we had a couple of shows that really um, took off. Uh, one show um, uh, called Balconville by Fenario. We we played it in Toronto and, and Winnipeg and Place des Arts and Ottawa. And then we toured to um, Great Britain. We played in Bath. You call it called Bath. You know, when I was in Bath, as we call it, where is the Bath Theater? And it, hey, you mean Bath? The Bath Theater? Yes, where's the Bath Theater? <laughs> and we played in Belfast, and that was amazing. And uh, at the London Old Vic, which was also amazing. So that was, that was a lot of fun, yeah. Wow. And um, anyway, but by the time I, uh, we, we had two kids... And I got um, in, I was getting into a rut. I wasn't making enough money to support two kids and my wife, you know, my part of it, right? And um, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And, you know, this business, if you're not enjoying it, I don't know what the hell you're doing in it. It's got to really do something for you inside because that's where the the reward's got to be. And I thought, okay, then go. And that wasn't an overnight decision. It took me two or three years or, or whatever to gradually move out. And it was like a divorce. Like, um, I didn't want to go into a theater for the next three or four years. Like, it wasn't a mental decision. I just, you know, didn't, didn't want to go. And, uh, you know, gradually, you know, pfft, Things settled down. I, I went back to school. I, I went and got a, a, a Master of Education and became an instructional designer, which is somebody that 
uh, creates training and educational um, uh, courses and stuff like that. And it was good. There was, uh, you know, creativity involved and value to my larger community, if you will. You know, I felt I was doing something that had some, some value and I worked for TV Ontario and uh, then worked at the University of Ottawa helping. Uh, there's a department now where they help teachers learn how to teach because all these wonderful professors have PhDs in their their field. But teaching is a different discipline and it, you can help people uh, do it better. And then, uh, so anyway, I, I gradually slowed down and I retired. And in the last two years, I'd been thinking, wow, do you want to go back to acting? And at first I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I said, yes, I do. And for years I've been thinking, well, if you did it again, what would you do differently? And the, the one thing, you got to have fun. You know, this has got to be fun. If it's not fun, if it's not enjoyable, I mean, it's work too. Of course, it's work too, but it's got to have that fun aspect, the enjoyment. The, the, the other um, important thing I learned is um, I have to, for each audition or anything that, I, that I'm doing, I have to have my own criteria for success in, in the sense that I have to say, what is it that, aside from be great, <laughs> just be magnificent. Okay, great. But aside from that, like, what is the one thing, like, in, I, I'm doing this, um, this, this scene tomorrow for, a, for an acting workshop. What is the one thing in that, you know, aside from being great, that, that I want to do? Can I have, you know, just one moment in this one, one moment of humor? Ah, oh, that'd be interesting. See, because it's a very dramatic scene. And... The, the, the reason I do, I, 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 I emphasize that for me is that one of the reasons that, that I, I felt I had to go was that I, there was a certain sense of powerlessness. I, I was feeling like no matter what I do, who knows? Maybe you get it. Maybe you don't. Sometimes you don't do much preparation and you get it. Sometimes you work your buns off and you get nothing. And um, I have no control. So in, in this phase, I, I understand. So, you know, I'm not going to make the decision to hire me. That someone else is going to make that decision. That's okay. But what is it that I can continue holding on to that I have control over? So that I'm not dependent on someone else's decision for how much I am enjoying what I'm doing. You, you follow me? Yes. Do you find clearly that was missing from the f your first act as an actor? And so do you find bringing kind of that power, <laughs> that power back into it, giving yourself some, some authority over your performance? Is that bringing you the joy back the enjoyment back to being an actor that you found you'd lost that made you stop first time around? It's, it's one of the factors that gives me that joy back. It's, and it's an important one. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
to be, to have some control over what you're doing, to not be awaiting someone else's approval, you know, that, that puts a wall between you and whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, so yeah, it, it, it makes, uh, makes a difference. And it gives, it's, it's giving me permission to have fun. Yeah. To try something else, to whatever. Mm-hmm. Still respectful to whoever's going to be looking at the audition. You know, I understand. It's a business. you got to find, uh, you know, Parson is good, but he's too short. He's too tall. He's too young. He's too old. He's too fat. He's too thin uh, for this part. I'm not going to take it personal this time. So, yeah, it makes a, it makes a big difference. It's got to make everything feel more freeing. And then that, how can it not translate into the work that you're doing? It must feel like there's a big weight just off your shoulders. Because you have a bit of power in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, um, for me, anyway, it was a huge weight. And the thing is, it was a huge weight even when I wasn't working. Right? So, in between gigs. Why am I in between gigs? Because somebody put me there. Well... No. That's my choice, right? I'm here. And uh, I can deal with that, them making their choices, if I'm making my own choices, too. When you were in your intermission, as you called it, do you find, was there anything that you've brought now into your acting career from that intermission time when you were doing your master's in education and doing the work that you were doing and contributing is there, are, have there been any skills or lessons that you've brought into acting now? Anything transferable? Well, there's certainly a, a lot of structure in instructional design. Like you really are very goal-oriented and you map out each step to get to that goal and you can infuse creativity into that. But in terms of the balance between creativity and structure, it has more structure Acting has, so that's still useful for me. What is, you know, what's your objective? Okay, how are you getting to it? Well, I've got to practice, more practice in terms of identifying steps towards achieving an objective, excuse me, as as an educator. And, uh, I don't know, it's sort of, uh, it, it, it was good to get another perspective of, of, of what works and what is important and, you know, great that I'm acting and everything, but there's a whole world out there of a whole bunch of other stuff that is also very important too. Right. So don't, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Just because there's 500 magazines about actors and none about instructional designers, that's not how you should weigh things. Right? You know, it's silly. When you were in your first act, you did mention you kind of were in a bit of a rut, as you described it. Was it, I know you said fin- kind of financially. Yeah, at the end. Was there, at the end, yeah, yeah. Were there other things that kind of contributed to leaving your career um, in, in acting at that time? No, it was really uh, mostly the, 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 the lack of enjoyment of, of fulfillingness. That's a, that's a new word. We'll write that down. 
um, <laughs> a lack of fulfilling this. I was my my la- one of my last shows anyway was um, Damsel for a Gorilla that we did in Montreal the Centaur, and then we did at um, at Festival de Théâtre Avignon, so the Avignon Theater Festival in the south of France, and um, what an opportunity to spend all summer doing a show with this you know, internationally renowned festival. And at a certain point, I realized I was looking more to, looking forward more to sitting, having a glass of wine after the show than doing the show. Oh, interesting. And I got, whoa, you know, that's, there, <laughs> that's not the way it should be. So that was a sign. But on the other hand, you know, the summer before that, we did uh, a whole summer out in Prince Edward Island at Confederation um, Confederation Center there, and had a wonderful, wonderful time. And there's some shows that I did that, uh, and I guess more theater than film, that were wonderful to be in. The people that I that I worked with, uh, the the amount of uh, a play that we had with each other and building off of each other. Um, I was so, so, so lucky to, to, to work with, with people like that. You know, that was, that was magnificent. But then it it just, it was, you know, maybe it was time to go. I I had sat in a green room once we were dubbing. Oh, I got to tell you about the dubbing. But anyway, we were dubbing something and it was the break. And there was about four or five actors there that were in their late 40s, 50s, uh, 60s, maybe. Anyway, they're all... Uh, a grumbling, se- a gripe session. I should have got that part. I could have got that part if it hadn't been for this. And then, and then, and then, whoa! No, 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 no! I don't want to be there. I don't. I don't want to be griping in fifteen years. If I'm not happy doing this, no one's forcing me to do this, and I'm. I don't want to be just sitting around bitching. But I got to tell you, do you want to hear about the dubbing? Yes. <laughs> this is completely unserious. And it was called uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. And uh, we had dubbed, okay, you yeah. And we had dubbed for three or four days different voices. And then they called us back and said, okay, today we're doing the fight scenes. So this type of dubbing you have the screen in front of you, and on top are the words. And when the words arrive at a certain place, you read them, you speak them. That's how you get the mouth movement and the, oh, how are you? I'm fine, which is easy. It's harder when it's going, how are you? I'm fine. Oh, you should have seen the party last night. And, you know, it keeps on moving so good. Well, for a fight scene, they don't do that. You just watch. And do what's on screen. But it was all outside fighting. So we had to be in a in a sort of a soundproof booth. And there was five of us in this thing about the size of three telephone booths. Not much bigger than that. So we're all just standing there like that. I have just enough room that I can see between these two big guys. I can see the screen. And we just numbered off. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Are you ready? And you go, ready. And we'd watch the screen. He'd go, for like hours. 
Sorry, no, that was yours. Yeah, okay, let's take that bit. Hours, hours. Two guys couldn't come back. They lost their voice. That would be exhausting. Too guttural. Too guttural. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> I don't have much experience with voiceover, but I have, I took a voiceover, like a video game voiceover workshop, and that was a lot of it, right? Like learning how mm. to do the fight noises. Who, like, that is, that is so cool. <laughs> Use your diaphragm, not your throat. Yeah, every time I hear dubbing or like, yeah, or I watch a video game, anything, I'm like, yeah, somebody is in a booth doing exactly what you were doing, or in your case, five people. <laughs> we, we, had, we had fun with that. Now that you've come back into this industry, is there anything that surprised you or that's changed that you've noticed? Way back in the Neanderthal ages from when I was first doing this, there was no internet. Very few people ever sent in auditions by videotape. Can you imagine? If you wanted to do that, you had to put your mini camera on a stand, take the thing into your VCR, and then maybe you had editing, like editing. Oh my God, thousands of dollars worth of equipment to edit any of it. Oh, yeah. Then you take your videotape and call the courier who would come and pick it up and send it to LA or wherever you were sending it to. Yeah. Not many people did it, right? So, and training, imagine doing, like now I'm doing a, a, a Zoom workshop with people, uh, the, 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 the studio is in L.A. That's great. You know, there's some actors from L.A. and New York, um, New York State, one from Toronto, two from England. It was wonderful. Couldn't do that. But the craft is the same. Not much has changed. Um, I wouldn't say, yeah. I'm not seeing anything different there. Except, you know what's magnificent? It's not just white guys controlling everything. It was all men, right? You, you know, um, it was all white men. And that, for the most part, that's all it was. In the theater, in film, or television, or whatever, some female writers and some plays with mainly female characters. But they were few and far between. And people of, of color, not many. Mm-hmm. Some, but not many. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've achieved equity yet. But we've made a huge progress. And, you know, for the better. We can't have a... Uh, it, 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 sorry. It hurts me to, to, to think that... Uh, you know, our, 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 our films would have black or Latinos almost exclusively as gang members. Mm-hmm. That has changed. You know, we've evolved. We've got, you know, we've got that, that, that wonderful series, Porter, Porters, you know, the railroad Porters yeah. on now. The, the, anyway, so many. That has changed. And that's, that's very important, very uh, uh, wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful Absolutely. change. You may have already told me the fun story, 
But do you have any other fun or funny stories from your time on stage, on set? You want to hear about the time that I was supposed to get shot and I didn't, or the time they threw me off a submarine? Both, please. We were doing the collected works of Billy the Kid by Michael Onodache. You know, you know the, the Canadian writer, playwright, the mm-hmm. film script. Can you write that? Anyway, English patient and all that. And this is a very poetic version of Pat Garrett, Billy the Kid. And in this one, we had guns going off left, right, and center. Shotguns and pistols and, you know, and it was in the dark. So you'd see these big, huge gouts of flame going on over. And we had a flash photograph that would a big like that and all that. Anyway, there's this one scene where, well, 10 minutes ago I was one of Billy's gangs, gang, but now I'm somebody else. Don't ask me who I am. I asked the director, he says, Bob, don't worry about that. It's just another level of reality. Anyway, the uh, they've got me in the jail cell. No, 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 sorry. Take it back. I've got them in the jail cell. I'm a sheriff now. That's 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 how come I, I got confused. You can see I'm still confused. Anyway, I'm the sheriff now. And Billy is there. And somehow he grabs me. He throws me down on the barrel top. Because that's what it was. And he grabs my gun and shoves it in my mouth to shoot me. Now, it's not safe to shoot someone in the mouth, even with a blank gun. Hmm. Right? So what we have set up is that there's nothing in this gun. Not, no, nothing, zero, eh. But underneath the tabletop with a wire that goes to a mouse trap at the bottom. And if you pull the ring, it pulls the wire, hits the mouse trap, mouse trap goes and makes a huge, beautiful pow. So he, we're in the middle of the scene. He grabs me, throws me down, grabs my gun, puts it in my mouth. And he's waiting for my cue to go, okay, I'm ready, because I've got, I'm the one who has to go pull the wire, because, you know, nobody can see. So I, I'm going, you got it yet? No. Shit. You got it now? No. Shit. And he goes, bang. <laughs> That's all you can do. <laughs> After all, oh my gosh. bang. Yeah, and meanwhile, the other two actors that were supposed to run in were trying to figure out, what the hell is going on? They're supposed to run in after Billy shoots me, and then he hides, and then they run in, and they don't see him. Well, they were waiting and waiting, didn't figure out what was going on, so they ran in early. And now, all of a sudden, instead of him hiding, he's right there. So now it's time for the slowest draw in the West, because you can't shoot him now. There's five more scenes left. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, uh, yeah oh, it was. It was. Gosh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. The ring wasn't in the right place that time. Uh, live theater. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Poor Ron. I remember one night. It was hilarious. The audience couldn't see this, but he walks on stage and his arm has been shot off, and there's blood just squirting all over the place, which is what it's supposed to be. But his jacket isn't done up. He didn't have time to to do it up. So the audience can only see the blood squirting out, but we see from underneath the jacket the way to get the blood to spurt out. It's a it's a, a Mickey Mouse balloon filled with blood, 
And this time he didn't close his jacket, so the balloon is swinging back and forth and back and forth, and we are trying not to laugh. <laughs> not to laugh. Yeah, that was a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. And the and the the other one was uh, we were doing a, a sort of a recruiting film for the armed forces on um, what to uh, what, what's it like to be a submariner, someone who works on submarines. And uh, so anyway, the end. I'm I'm I get the script on my way over there to Halifax. Last minute often happens. So you get the script. I'm reading it. I'm finishing the script and I'm going. And as is the tradition, when the young submariner wins his dolphins, his teammates, his crewmates grab him and throw him overboard. And I'm going. Oh wait a minute. This is February in Halifax. That doesn't sound like a very good idea. <laughs> anyway, I told them, I said, listen, I'll do it, you know, but you got to make sure it's safe, okay, because I don't... Yeah. Anyway, so on the, on the day, you know, we've already shot for three or four days and everything. They got me all suited up. I'm wearing a wetsuit underneath my, my uniform or whatever, and there's uh, one guy... He's the medic uh, in the down downstairs, well downstairs in in, in the boat, and uh, he arrived there at noon. Well, by four o'clock, they were waiting for the the storm to break, <laughs> and it wasn't breaking. There was they were chipping the ice off the deck and trying to you know trying to get a clear deck, and it wasn't. And this guy who showed up, maybe it was day off, I don't know, but anyway, he was drinking. And and by around four o'clock, you know, you're an idiot for going out there. You, know, you can die what? from hypothermia from from that. You know, if if you don't get back out fast enough. So I don't know why that beep you're doing that. Well, thank you for your encouragement and help. But anyway, so that finally the bring me up on, on, on deck. Or, and he said, okay, so this is how we're going to do it, boys. We're going to, uh, we're going to do one, two, three, and then throw them overboard. And the thing is, you, you got on a ship. A ship is like this, right? So if you, if you fall, you're, yeah. you fall in the water. A submarine is like this. So if you fall, you're hitting the hull oh, yeah, of the submarine. Okay. So you got to make sure that you're far enough away, because you don't want to. Anyway, so so they they got the cameras already, and there's these are sailors, these are these are armed forces guys doing it. We, you know, I was the only actor. It wasn't like me and eight other actors. I was the actor, and the sailors were gonna grab me. Well, you know, one of the things about putting a camera on somebody is uh, sometimes they don't, it, it can have an effect on them. And part of that is why we're professionals. Uh, it has to do, you know, we're, we're ready for that. Well, anyway, these guys got a little bit confused. So they grabbed me, dragged me over to where they're going to throw me in the, in the water. They put me down and start swinging, and I'm hearing, one, two, one. Three, whoa, 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 let, let, let's all count together, shall we? So that we, you know, let go all at the same time, because I don't want 
two people holding on, half of me going, and it, anyway, they got it, they got it the second or, or third time, and I got off, I went in the water, and I uh, was able to, they had some rope or whatever, and got myself back onto the ship, and I haven't been uh, back in Halifax Harbor since then, or been thrown off any other boats, either. Anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. It was fun, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people who want to get either back into acting or just starting into acting after another career? Well, I think um, I think it's really important that we work. So I think it's really important to have a teacher and do some of that. And and if if you're um, you, you don't have to be doing it all the, all the time, but if you're having uh, you know you have some uh, cost issues with doing that all the time, even if you're just working uh, with one or two or three other actors doing um, a scene, you know, pretend you're auditioning. If you're not, if you if you don't have an audition, grab aside a scene that you want to do. And, um, you know, get someone else to be the reader and you can be a reader for them. But I think it's, it's easy to fall into the non-practice part. And we're ridiculous when you compare it to musicians. Who ever heard of a musician that's, you know, not practicing two, three, four hours a day, right? And not just when they're young, they're, right, throughout their lives. Actors, oh, well, you know, I'll show up, I'll do it, um, thank you very much. Uh, anyway, for me, I think that's that makes a, a huge, 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 huge difference to be able to <coughs> practice regularly, regularly, try different things up, mm-hmm. to, um, and, and the other thing is uh, find a, a way of doing things that feels right for you. So you, you do find a teacher or, you know, I don't know, read um, books that that have something that, that, that seems real for you. You know, like I like uh, Sanford Meisner and Stanislavski and, you know, all those guys that still uh, talk about um, being truthful. And uh, I... I, I still think that's that's what I'm aiming to do every time I, I go and do a scene. Is there anything that you're looking forward to coming up? Well, I have my that, that workshop that I mentioned earlier. Tomorrow I'm doing... Uh, uh, we have our, our, our work is tomorrow, so our next meeting is tomorrow. And I'm doing um, a scene from Bridges of Madison County. Do you know that movie? Huh? Yeah. And I do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood. And um, can't the, get much the, better. Well, yeah. The um, the, uh, the the theme this week or the challenge this week was uh, choose a scene that you don't think you'd ever get auditioned for. And as much as I like Clint Eastwood, I don't think anyone would ever you know confuse him and me. So that's okay. And, you know, I'm me. I'm not 
cast as a romantic lead. Uh, and I wasn't when I was much younger either. And that's cool. I'm a character actor, whatever. I, you know, that's, but what am I going to learn by doing a scene of a romantic lead? What, you know, what, what, uh, what am I going to learn from that? What can I bring to it? That's, and, you know, one of the things is, uh, I think anyway, is that, well, he may be cast as a romantic lead. Well, he's just acting. Like he's not trying to be handsome. He's, he's already pretty damn hard. You know? He's just trying to do his part in the same way as any of us doing that scene. Right? So yeah. that, that was interesting to do. Anyway, yeah, I think um, mm-hmm. that I'm looking forward to. I just had um, uh, a nice uh, episode on the air uh, last week of uh, Transplant. I was in Season 2, Episode 7. Did you see that? I've seen the entire first season of Transplant. It's a phenomenal show. So I had a nice part on um, on, on on that that aired uh, on Monday, and that was nice to see. And uh, then I'm going to keep on, you know, doing auditions and trying to get more work. And just uh, even with these workshops, trying to get better. You were saying trying to challenge, you know, what you would get cast as. And, you know, instead of just doing scenes that are, quote unquote, easy for you, pushing, pushing it a little bit. Because that's what's yeah. fun is when you get oh, to yeah. push it. It's terrifying, oh, yeah. but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, the, I think that's something that I learned is uh, you, you've got to put in. I, I've got a lot. I've got to put in a lot of work. I'm very good at improvising, so there's there's a danger for me to just whip it off at the last minute, you know. And um, so I've learned that that's a, 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 an illusion. I'm much better if I spend a lot of time working on. It's subtle, but it's there. Yeah, it's it's definitely there. So, do the work. It's not just acting, you know. Every job looks easy until I have to do it. That's so true. But yeah, you know. Hey, being a doctor, oh, you just sit in the office, you know. People tell you things, you and you write things. Okay, take that. <laughs> what could be easier than that, right? Or <clears throat> a surgeon. Oh, I'll cut over there. Oh, yeah. Okay, throw them up. Okay, huh? Piece of cake. Piece of cake, that's right. E- even someone digging a ditch, if they've been doing it for 20 years, there's fluidity in their movements. They know where, you know. That, and then you try and do it, and at the end of the day, you're short, you're sore, and your muscles, and all this, and you only got half a ditch done. True with any job, no matter what it is. What it is. Acting the same thing. The better people are at it, the easier it looks. Do you have any final final words of wisdom? Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, find, find your joy in the craft. You know, my, my, my uh, uh, one theme, and I thought it was Stanislavski, but it may not be, but it was... Um, uh, instructions, perhaps, is you know, find the truth and make it beautiful. And um, 
by beautiful, at first I thought, well, that sounds pretty sappy. But by beautiful, it, it didn't mean pretty. So it could be beauty in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hurricane. What's the beauty of that? What's the beauty of a huge, dark storm, of a, of, a, of, a, of a tsunami? What's the beauty, and this is only in fiction, of course, but what's a beauty, the beauty of a scene where someone is going to kill somebody? So it's not a beauty of just prettiness. What is the beauty as a, that I have to find within that. So anyway, that's my thing that I hold when I'm working. Thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you, Robert. Thank you, Bob, for being my guest this week. I really appreciate you sharing your story with me and with everyone. If you're liking this podcast or YouTube or however you're watching it, if you could do me a favor, it'd be really nice. If you could like and subscribe, maybe write a comment if you like it. What that does is it feeds this little monster called the algorithm monster, and it actually helps other people find this podcast. So if you're finding it helpful, finding it useful or enjoying it, I would really appreciate that. Also, immense amounts of wine was consumed with myself and the lovely girls at 180 Sisterhood. Uh, if you tune into episode 11, part one and part two, Trish Rainoni is part of 180 Sisterhood Productions. We had a lot of wine and we designed some merchandise. So <laughs> link in my bio if you want to get some merchandise. It's uh, only, There's only one. It's a t-shirt and a sweater that says Trish's favorite quote of mine, don't be a garbage person. Because don't be a garbage person. Why would you want to hang out with anyone who's garbage, especially in the film industry? It's the best advice I could ever give you. Now you can wear it on your chest. <laughs> so link in my bio. All proceeds are going to the Get Real movement, which helps educate workplaces, especially healthcare workplaces, healthcare clinics, about LGBTQ plus two-spirit openness and inclusiveness in the workplace. So would appreciate that. And remember, don't be a garbage person. I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!